volume three chapter seven of the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven agnes elopes with her aunt betsy is it possible cried agnes the moment that the door of the carriage was closed upon them is it possible that i am really under your protection and going to your home aunt betsy to my temporary home dear child you are certainly going said the old lady taking her hand but i hope soon to have one more comfortable for you my agnes where i shall find the bower and the bees is it not so aunt not exactly at least not at present but tell me agnes don't you think i was very gentle and civil to mrs barnaby it was certainly very wise not to reproach her poor woman more directly but oh dearest aunt betsy how well you know her if you had studied for a twelvemonth to find out how you might best have tormented her you could have discovered no method so effectual as the making her first believe that you had a great fortune and then that her own conduct had robbed her of your favour poor aunt barnaby i cannot help pitying her you are very tender-hearted my dear and a flatterer too you give me credit i assure you for a vast deal more cleverness than i possess excepting on the subject of the old clothes which she offered me when we met in the cottage of dame sims i attempted no jestings with her but tell me agnes have you not suffered dreadfully from the tyranny and vulgar ignorance of this detestable woman has she not almost broken your young heart i have not been very happy with her aunt betsy replied agnes gently but she speaks only truth when she says i have lived at her cost and this ought to close my lips against speaking more against her than may be necessary to clear my own conduct in your eyes perhaps the old lady was a little disappointed at finding that she was to have no good stories concerning the absurdities of the apothecary's high-flying widow as she called her but despite all the oddities of miss compton there was quite enough of the innate feeling of a gentlewoman within her to make her value agnes the more for her promised forbearance she threw her arm round her and pressing her to her bosom said let this feeling of christian gentleness be extended to me also agnes for i have a great need of it this martha wise at the second poor soul was the first-born of her mother and seems to have taken as her birthright all the qualities bodily and mental of her vulgar and illiterate dam but i have no such excuse my child for the obstinate prejudice with which my heart has been filled and my judgment absolutely confounded all you have suffered with this woman agnes ought in truth to be laid to my charge i knew what she was and yet i suffered you let us try to forget it and only remember if you can that i turned away from you for no other reason upon earth than because i feared you were not exactly what i now find you but here we are at home how greatly must you want the healing feeling that home should bring poor dear when have you ever felt it at empton aunt answered agnes eagerly and even though the carriage door was open and the step let down she added the only home i ever loved i owed to you hastily as this word was said it sunk with very healing effect into the heart of the self-reproaching old lady it was answered by a cordial god bless you and hand in hand the very happy pair walked up the staircase together the accomplished william had preceded them and thrown open the door of aunt betsy's handsome drawing-room and no apartment could offer an aspect of more comfort the evening had all the chilliness of september when its sun is gone and the small bright fire with a sofa placed cosily near it looked cheerily wax lights on the chimney and tea-table gave light sufficient to show a large exceedingly well fitted-up room 
and a pretty young woman neatly dressed came forward to offer her services in the removal of cloaks and shawls agnes looked around the room and then turned to her aunt as if tacitly demanding an explanation of what she saw miss compton smiled and answered the appeal by saying did you expect dearest that i should be able to bring my farmhouse and my bees with me no aunt compton replied agnes very gravely i did not expect that but aunt betsy you must always call me aunt betsy agnes that was the appellation that your dear voice uttered so joyously when i entered the dark den in which i found you and i shall never like any other as well but don't be frightened because i have somewhat changed my mode of living my dear child i will not invite you to ramble through the streets of london in order to visit me when i am in prison for debt i know what my means are agnes few ladies better and i will never exceed them this was said very gravely and the assurance was by no means unimportant to the tranquillity of the young heiress the scenes she had recently passed through would have reconciled her to a farmhouse a cottage a hut so that the air of heaven blew untainted round it and no livery-stable keepers or bailiff's followers could find entrance there but miss compton's words and manner set her heart at rest on that score though they could not remove her astonishment the involuntary expression of which on her beautiful face was by no means disagreeable to the novel read aunt betsy it was just as it should be beauty goodness misery ill-usage and all and she felt most happily convinced that if there were but a lover in the case and such a one as despite all obstacles she could approve she should to her dying day have the comfort of thinking that the moment which she had chosen for ceasing to accumulate and beginning to spend was the very best possible and this lover in the clouds would agnes open her heart to her on such a subject had she any right to hope it not yet certainly not yet thought miss compton as the services of william over and the tea-things removed they drew nearer the fire and she fixed her eyes anew on the beautiful face she so greatly loved to contemplate partly because it was so beautiful and partly because she could not trace in it the slightest resemblance to any member of the wiset race but soft and peaceful as was now the expression on that face there might occasionally be seen by an accurate observer that indescribable look of thoughtfulness in the eyes which never arises till the mind has been awakened upon some subject or other to emotions of deep interest miss compton was a very accurate observer and saw as plainly as lavater himself could have done that agnes had learned to feel the romantic old lady would have given her right hand to possess her confidence but she was determined not to ask for it do you think we shall be happy together agnes said she in a voice which when its cheerful tone was not exaggerated into the ironical levity in which she sometimes indulged was singularly pleasing do you think that you shall like to be my darling yes i do replied agnes with a sudden bluntness of sincerity but i think i shall plague you sometimes aunt betsy you have made up your mind to that already have you returned miss compton delighted at the playful tone in which she spoke then in that case i must make up my mind too and contrive to make a pleasure of what you call a plague how do you mean to begin agnes what will you do first will you cry for the moon <laughs> will you try to get it for me if i do aunt betsy said agnes laughing yes i will that is if you will let me know what sort of moon it is and to what part of the heavens i must turn to find it jupiter you know has oh my moon is the highest and brightest of them all said agnes with a sigh and after remaining silent for a moment she added aunt betsy may i tell you everything that has happened to me if you love me well enough to do this my child said the delighted old lady while nevertheless a tear glistened in her clear black eye 
if you love me well enough i shall feel that i have not given up my bees and my flowers for nothing agnes drew nearer and after a moment's hesitation began i believe that all young ladies histories have something about a gentleman in them and so has mine a young gentleman i hope agnes interrupted the aunt with a smile agnes coloured a little but replied he is not so very young aunt betsy as to make his youth his most remarkable quality very well that is all quite right he ought to be older than you my dear go on when i was at clifton aunt betsy i was often in company with colonel hubert a colonel that sounds very respectable he was the father i suppose of the gentleman no indeed replied agnes with some vexation he is himself the only gentleman that i have anything to say about and his sister says that he will be a general next month indeed a general general hubert a very eligible acquaintance i have no doubt i should hardly have hoped you could have had the good luck to meet with such among the friends of your aunt barnaby ineligible acquaintance oh aunt you don't understand me at all but i will tell you everything colonel hubert is i can't describe him i hope you will see him aunt betsy and then you will not wonder perhaps that i should have thought him from the very first moment i saw him the only person in the world agnes stopped short but miss compton seemed to think she had finished her phrase very properly and what did he think of you my dear this young colonel colonel hubert never said anything about it at clifton replied agnes blushing but yet i thought i hoped he liked me though i knew it did not signify whether he did or not for he is one of a very distinguished family who could never i imagined think seriously of any one living with-with my aunt barnaby but at cheltenham i became acquainted with his aunt lady elizabeth norris and his sister lady stephenson and they were very very kind to me and when i came to london with my aunt barnaby in this wild manner they were very anxious about me and made me promise to write them but before i thought they could know anything about her being taken to prison the very day indeed that she went there in the evening while i was sitting in that dismal room just as you found me to-night colonel hubert oh aunt betsy the sight of you did not surprise me more colonel hubert walked in that was hardly right though agnes if he knew you were alone he brought a letter from his aunt and sister most kindly asking me to take shelter with them immediately and i am quite sure that when he came he had no intention of speaking of anything but that but i believe i looked very miserable and his generous heart could not bear it so he told me that he loved me and asked me to be his wife it was generous of him at such a dreadful moment said the spinster her eyes again twinkling through tears and how did you answer him my love i told him replied agnes trembling and turning pale as she spoke i told him that i could never be his wife why my dear i thought you said cried the old lady looking much disappointed i thought you said you admired him of all things and i am sure he seems to have deserved it but i suppose you thought he was too old for you no 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 replied agnes vehemently he is young enough for me to love him oh so dearly it was because i could not bear that he should marry so beneath himself it was because i thought his aunt and sister would resent it humph that was very generous on your part too but i suppose he knows best and what did he say then agnes oh aunt betsy he said exactly as you did he said that he was too old for me to love him and remembering the agony of that moment she hid her face in her hands and wept 
miss compton looked at her with pitying eyes and after a moment said and you so parted agnes yes she replied removing her hands it was almost so and yet not quite i could not tell him you know how dearly how very dearly i loved him that was impossible but i said something about his sister and his aunt and then oh i shall never forget him something like hope pray do not think me vain aunt betsy but it was hope that shot into his eye again and changed the whole expression of his face yet he said no more about his love and only asked me to promise never to leave the shelter of that roof till i heard from his aunt again and i did promise him but could i keep it aunt it would have been obeying him in words and not in spirit and now i'm coming to my reason for telling you all this so very soon what shall i say to them now how shall i write to them it seemed that miss compton did not find this a very easy question to answer for she took many minutes to consider of it at length she said as to setting right the love part of the affair you need not alarm yourself my dear there will be no great difficulty in that if you know your own mind and really are in love with a general instead of an ensign i don't see why you should be contradicted though it is a little out of the common way he is a gentleman and that is the only point upon which i could have been very strict with you but there is another thing agnes in which you must please to let me have my own way will you promise me how can there be any way but yours in what concerns me dear aunt betsy bless you my dear i will not be a tyrant at least not a very cruel tyrant but my happiness will be injured for the rest of my life agnes if the next time you see this gentleman and his family it is not in such a manner as to make them perceive without the necessity of their listening to an old woman's long story about it that you are not an unworthy match for him in any way let this be managed and everything will end well there will be no risk of your witnessing either in the words or looks of these noble ladies whom you call your friends any struggle between their partiality for you and their higher hopes for him he will ever remember with pleasure that he waited not for this to offer you his hand and heart and trust me you will never remember with sorrow that you did wait for it before you accepted him do you agree with me indeed i do fervently replied agnes but could they see me at this moment would not your wish be answered could they doubt for a moment while seeing you and seeing the style of all about you that i am something more than the poor hopeless dependent of mrs barnaby that is not it that would not do at all child replied the old lady sharply it shall not be the poor dependent of anybody that this noble-hearted colonel hubert shall come to woo love him as much as you will the world may say and his family may think too that his rank and station led you to accept him i will save you both from this danger colonel hubert shall not try his chance with you again till you are the independent possessor of fifteen hundred pounds a year when i die agnes if you behave well in the interim i will bequeath my bees to you and all the furniture of my two pretty rooms at compton basset as well as all the reserved rents in the shape of allowances coals wood attendance and the like which will be mine while i live this my dear shall come to you in the way of legacy in case i continue to be pleased with your behaviour but there is no way for me to atone for the injury i have done to the representative of my family by suffering her to remain six months with mrs barnaby but making her at once the independent possessor of the compton property my dear dear aunt 
said agnes most unfeignedly distressed there can be no occasion at this moment to talk of your doing what in my poor judgment would be so very wrong should i be so happy as to make colonel hubert known to you i would trust to him to discuss such subjects oh what delight aunt betsy for you to have such a man for your friend and all owing to me there was something so ingenuous so young so unquestionably sincere in this burst of feeling that the old lady was greatly touched by it you are a sweet creature agnes she replied and quite right in telling me not to discuss any matters of business with you i shall touch on no such subjects again for i see they are totally beyond your comprehension nevertheless i must have my way about not introducing myself to colonel hubert's family or himself either in lodgings write to your kind friends my dear tell them that your old aunt compton has left her retirement to take care of you and tell them also that she feels as she ought to do but no you write your own feelings and i will write mine but this must be to-morrow agnes it is past twelve o'clock love see that gay thing on the chimney-piece attests it i must show you to your room my guest hereafter i shall be yours perhaps peggy being summoned the two ladies were lighted to the rooms above these were in a style of great comfort and even elegance but one being somewhat larger than the other and furnished with a dressing-room it was in this that agnes found her trunk and book-box and it was here that after seeing that her fire burned brightly and that peggy was standing ready to assist in undressing her the happy miss compton embraced blessed and left her to repose it was a long time however before agnes would believe that anything like sleep could visit her eyes that night what a change what an almost incredible transition had she passed through since her last sleep it was more like the operation of a magician's wand than consequence of human events from being a reprobated outcast banished from the roof that sheltered her she had become the sole object of love and care to one who seemed to have it in her power to make life a paradise to her how many blissful visions floated through her brain before all blended together in one general consciousness of happy security that at last lulled her to a delicious sleep she was hardly less sensible than her somewhat proud aunt of the pleasure which a reunion with her cheltenham friends under circumstances so changed would bring and her dreams were of receiving lady elizabeth norris and her niece in a beautiful palace of the shores of a lovely lake while colonel hubert stood smiling by to watch the meeting End of chapter 7